worship from the Peninsula Churches from Loch Harbour in the northwest of Scotland. Today we are hearing part of the story about Ruth and how she and Boaz get together during the harvest time in Judah. Many of our churches and schools in the area here are having their harvest services and so the reading is very apt. We cannot really think about harvest without also thinking about the impact of climate change and its effect on daily living and survival. Throughout the world, food poverty is a great concern. And here at home, the cost of living crisis, which has been developing over the last few years and its, and its effect, is nearly always in the news. In our harvest celebrations, we can gather produce and deliver it to those who are in need. Or more frequently nowadays, we can make a financial donation to the food banks so that they can buy what is needed by the people they support. In our story about Ruth, we hear that people in need were, by law, allowed to take what was left in the fields of barley, an early form of social and pastoral support. The poor and those in need have always been with us, always been part of our society. And as we approach the harsher month, months, we should be considering ways in which we can support them. Harvest time was a time of celebration of God's creation and for all that the land gives us. It was a time, it is a time, to take stock of what you have to get through the winter. And as we give thanks for this bounty, let us also look at ways to share with those in need. Giving in terms of food and financial donation is one way, but sharing is another way of giving with dignity, love and companionship. There may be coffee mornings or lunches happening near you throughout the winter, supporting the ongoing warm space idea which was introduced last year. Why don't you find out and pop along? The sharing of harvest continued through the harsh months ahead. With those thoughts in mind, let us join together to worship our God.
Holy One, we gather here in this place, united by our love for you and for each other. Together we are part of your worldwide church, the body of Christ. We come to sing your praises, to hear your word to us, to share our joys and sorrows, to offer ourselves to you and seek your face. Jesus, the one who revealed your great love for us and invites us into a relationship with you. We come with faith, with doubt and with questions. We confess that too often we fail to love you as we should and we fail to listen to your spirit guiding us. We are sorry for the times we have spoken or acted in ways that were not loving. Forgive us, we pray, and help us to receive your forgiveness and keep moving onwards. Renew our commitment to you and help us to go forwards. Amen. Ruth chapter 1, verses 1 to 22. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Marlon and Kilian. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about ten years, both Marlon and Kilian also died, and Naomi was left without her sons and without her husband. When she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, Naomi and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then, Ma then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you, as you have shown to your dead and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them, and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait up until they were grown and up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. At this they wept again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, 
don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. And your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. When Naomi realised that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them, and the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law. Arriving in Bethlehem, as the barley harvest was beginning. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 7. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over weak-willed women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning but never able to acknowledge the truth. The Book of Ruth, on the surface, seems to be a gentle love story where everything works out for the best. However, right from the beginning, it is challenging. The verses immediately before the Book of Ruth come from the book of Judges and we are told in that that there was no king in Israel at that time. The people did just as they pleased. The first chapter of Ruth sets up the background of the story which follows and it refers back to a time when the judges ruled, a time of chaos and disobedience in Israel. Doing what is right in your own eyes is never a good thing as we can see in many of the Bible stories and indeed throughout the book of Judges. Throughout that book, we can see a story of decline and anarchy playing out in Israel. However, we need to see this story as a whole in order to appreciate its message. The verses we've heard today tell us that Elimelech and his family leave Judah because there is a famine. They have lived in Bethlehem, which is ironically which ironically means the house of bread. The family consists of Elimelech, Naomi his wife, and two sons, Marlon and Chilion. And they went to the neighbouring land of Moab, where they lived for some time, about ten years. And during this time, the sons married Moabite women, Orpah and Ruth. 
Sadly, during this time, Elimelech died, and then his two sons also died. And so Naomi is left a widow and childless, and the two wives are left widows and also childless. In a Jewish society, the law dictated that if a wife was made a widow, then her sons would be responsible for looking after her. And also, if her husband had a brother, then he was to marry her. These rules meant that the widow should not be left destitute. But here we have a widow who has lost her sons and by their deaths created two more widows. There seems to be no way in which they will be able to manage. They are destitute. On top of that, Naomi is in a foreign land. She's not near her own family or anyone else who can step in to help. The two daughters-in-law try to look after Naomi, but she encourages them to return to their families in Moab while she returns to Bethlehem, where she has family. Orpah does return, but Ruth refuses to leave Naomi, saying, Don't ask me to leave you or turn my back to you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Naomi is distraught and depressed by her seemingly insolvable situation. She cannot see a clear way in front of her, and now Ruth will not obey her and will not return to her family in Moab. Naomi is still in the depths of despair, but she accepts Ruth as a companion, and so they travel back to Bethlehem, which, if you remember, I said meant the house of bread. At the end of our reading, we heard that Naomi and Ruth, Ruth arrived in Bethlehem just as the barley harvest was beginning. Naomi is distraught, but faithful Ruth is by her side. And the harvest is coming. There is a wee bit of light at the end of the tunnel. In order to comply with the Jewish law, Naomi can call on the nearest male relative to take responsibility for the pair of them. However, Naomi has her eyes set on Boaz, who is not the nearest relative, but is a near relative. Also, under Jewish law, any widows or destitute folk can glean what is left from the fields when the harvest has been gathered. Boaz sees Ruth collecting what is left in the fields and he instructs his workers to leave plenty for Ruth. And days pass by and Boaz ensures that Ruth collects enough barley for them to manage and even goes as far as to give her some barley rather than wait for her to glean from the field. Under Naomi's instructions and knowledge of the Jewish law, Boaz asks Ruth to be his wife, and she eventually gives birth to a son. Well, that's a very abbreviated version of the story. Why is this story in the Old Testament, and positioned after the stories of anarchy, chaos and violence in Judges? Why is the book called after Ruth when it is Naomi who is the central character? Ruth hardly says anything. Naomi expresses her grief and bitterness from the beginning almost to the end of the story. As the book progresses, 
Naomi's perspective never changes. Even after Ruth's commitment to her, Naomi is silent as, the, as they journey on the road to Bethlehem. And you can feel perhaps that she's seething. Maybe she didn't want to leave Bethlehem in the first place to go to Moab with her, Moab with her husband and family. Maybe she feels that this is none of her doing. But even when she gets to Bethlehem and is greeted by those who know her, she is still not thankful or relieved or doesn't appear to be. She says, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, because the Lord has made my life bitter. She's almost indulging in her sorrow and sense of unfairness. In other stories in the Bible, where there is struggle and loss, the story often ends with the main characters repenting for their misgivings. They give thanks and they praise God. We don't see this from Naomi. To read the book of Ruth as Naomi's story is to read a story of grace that holds space for grief and anger. These feelings are there even as the story moves forwards. Maybe it's telling us that we can be moving into a more positive phase of our life, but we can still be carrying a sense of grief and bitterness, bitterness caused by the difficulties we've been through. And maybe it's telling us that that's fine. The blessings at the end of the narrative do not overshadow or eliminate the grief experienced earlier. The good news of the Book of Ruth is that blessings can still come even when we are in the midst of grief or in the throes of anger and frustration. So why is this book called Ruth and not Naomi? Well, I think the answer may lie in the first few lines of the book and in the last few lines of the book. In the last line of the book of Judges, immediately before the book of Ruth, we are told that Israel had no king and all the people did as they pleased. This is confirmed at the beginning of the book of Ruth. Israel had no king, but perhaps the chaos in the land also implies that they did not even follow the heavenly king either. And in this story, we see a Moabite woman, a woman from outside the Jewish community, demonstrating all the virtues which the teaching of the Jewish faith would extol. If we read Proverbs 30, chapter 31, verses 10 to 31, this could be a description of Ruth. It's the description of a capable wife. She shows care, loyalty and faithfulness to Naomi throughout this whole story at the expense of her, her own freedom and dignity. And in the last few lines, we are told that Obed, Ruth and Boaz's son, became the father of Jesse, who was the father of David, and David was the ancestor of Jesus. But even now, Naomi is sent to stage when Ruth gives birth to a son, Obed. The women of the village say, a son has been born to Naomi. Has the book of Ruth been included in the Old Testament? Because in it, we can see the traits of loyalty, faithfulness, care, generosity, love and duty at the expense of personal freedom and dignity. And then we can trace that right into the New Testament teachings. 
Does this picture, given to us by Ruth, oppose the chaos and disruption we read about in Judges? Does it redirect the future? At first glance, it can appear as a story which gives us a bit of light relief in the Old Testament, but I think it deserves more credit than that. As the story plays out, we can see what a major undertaking Ruth was making when she said, Don't ask me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Amen. Generous God, we thank you for the wonderful bounty our world provides for us. Grains and beans, fruit and vegetables, meat and fish, all colours, shapes and sizes, each part of the world producing its own varieties. Loving God, we are all too aware that for too many access to food that is fresh and affordable is difficult. War, threats of violence, natural disasters make access to food difficult and sometimes impossible. We pray for people who struggle to eat enough each day, for those who cannot afford to buy the foods they need for their family, and for those who have to travel many miles to have access to food. We give thanks for the charities and people who volunteer to ensure everyone is fed and has access to food. We pray for our world leaders that they might make it a priority to find ways to share resources fairly. We give thanks for farmers and fishermen, for all who work in the food chain producing, processing and delivering foods to us, and for the shops and markets where we can choose what to buy. We pray that one day everyone would have access to daily bread and have all they need to thrive and flourish as you long for them all to do. Help us to make wise choices with our food, to reduce waste and share with our neighbours, to offer hospitality when we can and build strong relationships with each other. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Amen. Let us dedicate our offering. Let us pray. Generous God, we thank you for all that we have been given and we offer to you our gifts today. Take all that we offer and use what we bring to share your good news far and wide. Amen. And let's continue with the family prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let all creation sing before the Lord and every nation of the earth rejoice. Let all the trees lift a shout of joy, for the Lord is King. Let the deep waters of the sea resound. Let every mountain, every hill sing out. Let all the fields make a joyful sound, for the Lord is King. Praise and give. 
for joining in our worship today. Go now and walk wherever God sends you. Let Jesus walk beside you and the Spirit guide your path. Take the love of God with you and share it with everyone you meet. And may God bless you on your journey. Amen. May the Lord bless you. Oh, boy.